My name is Mark Chalmers and I'm President and CEO of Energy Fuels. Energy Fuels is a US-based company that is focused on critical elements, primarily uranium, vanadium, and rare earths. So basically the elements we're interested in and we're processing currently all drive reduction of carbon emissions uh, and improve electrification. So it's always a pleasure to be here with my good friend, Matt. Hey, how are you, man? It's good to see you here. Good to see you. Yeah, welcome to London. We've been here for a few days now, right? Yes. At the WNA, World Nuclear Association Conference, what's everyone talking about? What's the mood? It's interesting. It, it's been a few years since we've all gotten 20, together. 2019. Yeah, and, and uh, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's very dynamic right now. I mean, I think the, the key thing is uh, I see a certain element of fear in people's eyes ah. because... You know, they're looking at this need to, to, to increase nuclear, uh, to reduce carbon emissions, but then you have these geopolitical tensions, particularly with Russia and Ukraine, and even to, moving to China, that uh, people are asking questions. You know, how does it all happen? What are, where does the fuel come from? Uh, how do you convert it? How do you enrich it? How do you build these reactors quicker, faster? So, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's different than any meeting I've been to in the past with the WNA and um, but yeah, it's very interesting. It's kind of because it, it, I was last year in 2019, like you, um, COVID kind of got, got in the way a bit, but the mood was very different then. So you, you, I mentioned the you used the word fear. I've heard the word bombastic, joyful, uh, hopeful, you know, all of these oh, are very no, positive look, it's things. It's optimistic. So, it's optimistic. Yeah, okay. I, mean, I mean, there's optimism, but I think the, the, the when, when, I, when I hear fear, I think the fear is more like, You've got to have all these steps in the nuclear fuel cycle to have a, nu a successful nuclear fuel cycle. Yeah. And, and right now there's some gaping holes. And, 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 and the, the biggest gaping hole is, you know, the dependence that's been created on, on Russia uh, over the last couple decades. So uh, that's, a, that's a hole that people haven't figured out how you backfill that yet. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, no, I think overall it's, it's optimistic, very optimistic. Uh, that that you know we're in this new new cycle, focus on reducing carbon emissions. I think carbon emissions, if you go back uh, ten years or twenty years, uh, you know right now it's front and center, and everyone all around the world, you know, you're getting bipartisan support uh, on reducing carbon emissions, and so you, we got to get there. The, the, the narrative's definitely on board. The politicians are on board. In fact, the politicians have been given permission because of increasing energy prices across the world to really get stuck into this. They're not talking about it anymore. Um, I want to focus on, like, we're not here to talk about conversion or, or enrichment or building SMRs or, you know, um, uh, reactor extensions, because it's not what we do. We, we're down at the mining end. I want to talk about the mining end because we've got an investor audience here who are intrigued, right? Lots of chat over the last three, four years from lots of companies about what they can do. And that's when, when you said the word fear, I was wondering, right, yeah. you got to stop talking now, we've got to start doing, right? Yeah, and look, at I, I, I think when you look at the, the uranium companies that, that have been around, have survived, uh, you know, over the last 10 years, yeah, it's, it's time to start doing things, and, uh, and we're excited about doing things. We've hired probably 25 people in the last uh, two months, yeah. and we're starting to ready our minds. Uh, we're going to go back into production. I think, you know, you know we signed some contracts. We signed three contracts with two significant U.S. utilities, and we have deliveries starting next year. Uh, so, yeah, we're going back into production, and, and, and we're not fearful going into production because we know how to produce uranium. 
So, it, yeah, it's an exciting time. Uh, we also submitted uh, a proposal to sell uranium to the DOE because this purchasing okay. uh, of uranium that, that kind of, you know, kind of came out of that Section 232. Now, it was sort of a, at the moment, it's consolation prize because they're looking at buying a million pounds of, of uranium, of already produced uranium. And so we submitted that uh, a proposal in that regard. So we, we should hear probably within the next month. I heard the uh, U.S. government was represented yesterday by a young lady who made the right noises. We hear. Oh, with, with with the DOE, yeah, yeah. With, with Katie, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, Katie's got a lot of enthusiasm, um, and 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 I think that the the certainly the mood has changed. You know, people are talking about the Inflation Reduction Act, and you're starting to see the government moving on a number of these fronts to reestablish. Uh, our abilities on all things critical, everything, right? And uh, so, yeah, but it, it takes time. You know, I think what people don't understand is we've been globalizing for, for, for 20, 25 years. And to deglobalize isn't going to happen in a year or two or three. It's going to take at least a decade to get really some momentum here. So, but yeah, on the uranium front, we're going to start up projects. We'll do it in a stepwise basis. The contracts that we've signed will probably allow us to start up a project next year. And um, and hopefully we sell some uranium to the DOE. Okay. So three contracts signed to date. Uh, a few uh, utilities attend in attendance uh, past few days from Europe, from uh, US. Um, are they in listening mode? Or are they in talking mode? I mean, what, what's going on? You know, it, 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 the, the dialogue's changed. Um, right. the, the utilities that, that we've done business with, which is confidential, yeah. um, it's, a really, uh, it's, a, it's a really solid relationship. And, and I think the key message that, that we've been sharing with utilities and, and vice versa is we got to work together to kind of improve the circumstances that we're in. It's not about pointing fingers or saying, you know, any of us would have known this would have happened. But I think there is a level of cooperation because people understand that you got to work together to get a better outcome. Right. But there's the, like any buyer, you want the best deal. You want the best price. You want the best margins. Are they still in that mode? Or is there a realization that coming down the line that, we're going to run out of this stuff. The, the supply-demand gap is widening, it seems. I've heard some great stats over the past few days about the addition of SMRs to the, uh, I don't use the armory, but in terms of the portfolio mm -hmm. available to uh, utilities could potentially double or more the demand for uranium going forward. Yeah. Well, I think that um, they're not panicking right now. They, they do want competitive pricing. And um, but I think they're coming to the realization that the, 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 the uranium isn't going to be twenty, thirty dollars a pound anymore. You know, we so I, I think they're realizing the costs are going up on uranium, and you'll have to pay what you have to pay. Mm -hmm. But you know, right now, um, when you look at all the inflation in the last year or two, and you look at what we used to say was sort of an incentive price of fifty, fifty-five dollars a pound. Most people are talking at 70 something a pound now. Right. And uh, I think that just kind of shocks people that yeah. we're moving that quickly. Now, that doesn't mean that, um, you know, people are going to make more money because of inflation. I mean, it's, you know, reagents, people, parts, 
uh, supplies to, to operate any kind of business is is becoming very difficult. What reagents, sulfur, the the, the lot, yeah, right? Yeah, you know, sulfuric acid, yeah. and oxidants, and you know, it, it, it's you know, and and people. Uh, yeah, well, that's a big topic because <laughs> in a industry which is you know, as I say, it's been globalization all the way, and now it's like, oh, we need to be independent. We need to be able to deliver energy security to our own country, either independently or with friends, right? Um, you've got a, a a scenario, it seems, that um, the U.S. has got to work out who its friends are and who it can depend on, you know, because not going to be able to deliver it domestically. Europe's trying to do the same thing. This globalization component just hasn't gone away from this entire story. I mean, do, are you hearing anything from the stage, you know, yesterday or the day before or this morning, um, which leads you to believe that w- you understand, what, you know, what those allegiances can look like? Because they're, if I'm looking at conversion or enrichment, that's a problem that's not going to be solved anytime soon. Yeah. What, what, what I'm picking up from, from people at the conference is, yeah, there's all these steps and none of them can be fixed quickly. Yeah. Um, but you know, there, there, there is this mood of we're, we're working together. There is a mood. We're in a pickle. Um, and, and, and that, I think, is one of the, uh, again, differentiators. If you go back five years ago or 10 years ago, you know, five years ago, people would say, you know, we can buy uranium anywhere. Yeah. We can get it from anywhere. And I had one utility tell me uh, about four or five years ago is we won't pay one penny more for U.S. uranium than Russian uranium or Kazakh uranium. Right. Not one penny more. That attitude's changed. That attitude's changed for you know, the right reasons. Yeah. So um, yeah, and, and I, I think too, the, the fact that you know, when, you, when you look at all these you know, focus on decarbonization, electrification, you know, you've got this ESG focus. And the ESG focus is, you know, where are you getting materials? Are you responsibly sourcing your, your, your materials? And it's going to be very hard for a number of utilities to answer that question to their shareholders with the changes that, that, that have occurred recently. So, again, our approach as energy fuels is to work to get a better outcome for the people that are customers, which are nuclear utilities. What's the smartest thing you've heard on that stage over the past few days that you think utilities need to pay attention to, or, or quite frankly, investors need to understand? I, I think that the, 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 the biggest question is, yeah, we have to deglobalize, and it's not going to happen quickly. Right. And um, when um, I, I did an interview on CNBC the other day, and, and if you start looking at how you start shifting the dynamics on the supply and these products and everything, it's going to take a decade to even make a dent, a small dent in, in those dynamics. So, so yeah, I think, I think the reality is we're, we're in this pickle. We've got to get ourselves out. It's, nothing's going to be fast. Um, it's going to take time. It's going to take money. And it's going to take government support. You know, when you look at the nuclear fuel cycle around the world, no uh, successful program has been able to succeed without government support. If you look at the current, the Chinese program, you look at the Russian program, um, you know, they've had support and, and they continue on. But then you look at the UK, you look at France, you look at the US, you look at China, and all these countries tried to pull back, right? And what happened to their fuel cycles? They start dropping off. 
you can't pull back. You have to stay there. And so I think what, what I'm hearing, another thing I'm hearing is that we're going to have to go back into that period of time where, where you know, government support is, is, is looking out, again, decades, not looking out for one year or one bill. Oh, man. One. Good luck with that, Mark. It's weird. People, politicians today make investments in cycles. I, I'm in, I'm in power, or I've got a job for this long. I'll make a job. I'll make decisions based on that. It, I, it needs to. You were saying it during section two three two. You were saying you weren't calling it globalization, but you know you were calling it something else. But it meant that the U.S. is not care, taking care of the U.S. here. You were, I know you don't want to do. I told you I was right. Kind of conversation, but. It's exactly what you thought or could happen, has happened with obviously the Russia-Ukraine situation. Here in Europe, I'm, I'm, we're very acutely aware of the knee-jerk reaction from European politicians, which have created a huge knock-on effect for our energy prices here. And we're talking about putting, well, I think yesterday was a price cap was implemented here in the UK, uh, which is going to be paid for by us, ironically, the taxpayers. So, so the people that, that are going to benefit from the, this will have to pay for this, mm-hmm. but we'll amortize it over 100 years. There you go. So it, it's like a, it's a bad outcome from a bad decision, from a bad situation. Um, sorry to rant, but I do, I do, I do think the politicians have got to, to take a lot of blame for what has been created over the last 20, 30 years. Yeah. And their reaction to obviously recent events yeah. as well. Well, and, and and I think I've said this to you before. The world got addicted to cheap, and they didn't care where it came from. Yeah. And and that whole concept of globalization was feeding you know cheap, right? Mm. Go to where you can get it the cheapest, and um, and a lot of people subscribe to it. A lot of consumers, people went down yeah. the aisle in the in a store and they saw something that you know was cheaper because it came from China or wherever it came from, and, and they they buy it. So, uh, yeah, look, I think, and again, we, we don't want to say told us so, but the 232, uh, and I think it did a lot of good for, for, for planting the seeds um, that, we're, we're, that are currently in the government and in D.C. because we started messaging to, you know, to, to the government and to people in D.C. the dependency that we had on Russia and Kazakhstan about five years ago. And, you know, some of those people are still... Uh, in government, and um, and I think it wasn't a waste. It was not a wasted time, um, but yeah, I don't want to say told you so. It actually turned. It's turned out worse than we ever thought. You know, we weren't yeah, hoping yeah. for um, this type of um, the, these kind of issues uh, at these scales in any way. But um, if if we had done um, put some of those uh, trade barriers in place four or five years ago, we'd be in a lot better shape than we are today. What's the best conversation you've had at the WNA this year? I think the best conversation I've had uh, has been with the uranium producers. Um, a lot of people I haven't seen for a number of years. Okay. And um, I think that uh, it, it's, 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 it's kind of entertaining to, to listen to uh, some of the colorful, colorful characters because you know they're colorful, uh, you know, about who's going to produce, what they're going to produce, and you know, how this is going to evolve. Um, you know, there is uh, quite a bit of discussion about, uh, you know, there's a number of producers that don't want to produce because they don't want th- the world to know what they can actually produce or not produce. So, so yeah, I think that's kind of, you know, interesting, but that's not new. I mean, you can go back to 2006 and seven, and you'd have that same kind of discussion, but it's been, um, 
it's it's been really great to catch up with a lot of colleagues that I've worked yeah. with around the world uh, that I haven't seen for a few years, and um, everybody has a few more gray hairs. But what what's amazing to me is they still show up. No, I think it's great. I, I agree with you. I, I would say I would love to speak to everyone here the way that a utility views them because I think sort of I don't. No one quite knows how a utility thinks about these things. I'd love to understand that because. There are developers talking about developing projects who will produce. There are others who will try their darndest, but they're going to need a lot higher price, a lot higher price to produce. And there are others who just won't because they can't. And um, that's, and I, I spoke to a couple of utilities over the past couple of days. That's their view of, of life. I, I, I wish I would understand how precisely they break it down, but that, that's, yeah. their, that's their view of life, which, which is problematic. Because there's not as many pounds able to come into production within the time frame that is being suggested if you add up all of the all of the numbers from all of the companies at the moment. It says that the supply side is not as healthy as we'd hoped, whereas we know the demand side is growing. Mm-hmm. Uh, isn't that a problem coming down the line? Well, that's what it looks like as a problem. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know how it all uh, comes out at the end of the day, but uh, I think there is a pinch point coming. I think that... You know, when we, we talked about like inflation, um, it's real, it's live now. I don't know if it, how it continues on over the next few years. Uh, you know, projects that require large capital uh, expenditure, if they haven't refreshed those in the last uh, two or three years, if, if they refresh those numbers, I think it's going to shock people. I think it's shocking some people. I mean, in our case, we, we, we have most of our capital has been expended, and that's a real advantage because yeah. you can start up quicker, faster. You don't have that capital load. Interest rates are higher. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot of these things are moving. I, I don't think in this year, I've been in the uranium business for 46 years, and I don't think I've seen this many moving parts any time in my whole career as I do right now. It, it is, uh, it, but against a slightly different backdrop as well. That's the other exciting yeah. thing here. It's, it's base nuclear, it's base load energy cl- with a clean, green, cheap, um, and you know, and, and hopefully is viewed by more and more people as such. Um, it, do you think it's here to stay, or would it take you know one small misstep somewhere in the world for for that not to be the case? Well, if if it isn't here to stay, how are we going to get there? How is the world going to electrify? How are you going to have all these electric vehicles if nuclear was to you know go off of the agenda? You know, I think. When I again, you know, when I reflect back to say 2006, 2007, people weren't talking about the coal business going to nothing, and now they are. Mm. Um, I think that's unrealistic. But they it, are it's talking un- about it. I don't know, and, and it is it is unrealistic. But like in the United States, I think coal production has gone down like uh, you know it's, it's a third of what it was. Right. Okay. That, that's a lot in ten year drop. But not because it's not needed, but because it's not getting the funding from the funds who have gone ESG crazy. Right. Look, look, it's a lot. It's a lot of different things. So, I mean, I think that if if the world is committed to electrification or reducing carbon emissions, how do you add up the math to come out with a successful outcome if you take nuclear out of the picture? And I just I just don't see how you can do it. And and I think that's the realization when you see a number of these, you know, environmental groups. Uh, uh, politicians that historically have not been in favor of nuclear power, I think they're seeing the math and they realize they have to have it. Yeah. 
And, um, but yeah, look, look at, I mean, look at Japan, look at South Korea, look, you know, look at all these, these, these changes and, and in California, um, you know, extending Diablo Canyon, uh, you know, that California is pretty much the left and, uh, to extend Diablo Canyon tells you a lot, yeah. but they're also looking at, you know, brownouts, blackouts and winter's coming. Yeah, no, it's amazing how people change their mind when stuff gets expensive. Okay. They, they all, all of a sudden their, their, the moral code slightly, cha slightly changes in, in their terms, right? In their terms. Uh, I think there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with you, uh, nuclear. It's part, it's the biggest part of the solution needed going forward. But, um, when you kind of got these anti-fossil fuel marches happening and you've got anti-coal rhetoric going on in the, in the fun funding side of things because, um, companies don't want to be seen as funding dirty energy. The, the truth is we need all of the above, and, but nuclear's got the big, it's the big kind of cornerstone, the, the building block on which everything should be built. It, 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 it would seem to us. Again, to make the math work, you've got to look at what you have and where you're trying to go. Um, yesterday I was doing some marketing and I did, I think, four meetings in the afternoon yesterday. And I think of the four meetings, three of the meetings were to clean energy transition funds. Wow. They didn't exist four years ago. They didn't exist four years ago. Clean energy funds. Right. And, and, and most of them kind of originated out of like the oil and gas business. And then they're, yeah. they're, they're, but they're, they're taking those steps. They're, they're, they're transitioning over, but they, that's what the funds are called, you know, these different, different funds. And, and, um, so, yeah, but, but people try to simplify complex things. And I think when people say, you know, no coal, no oil, no gas. Yeah. You be careful. You don't move too quickly. I think that's what Germany's kind of been experiencing to try to move too quickly. And then you find out that, um, the spreadsheet didn't work. And if the spreadsheet doesn't work, You've got a problem. You, you got a problem, right? but but I, th I think some sanity is returning to the space. Certainly, it was good news for nuclear, which is the fact that if you look at the energy uh, return on capital invested, it's numero uno by some distance, you know. Um, and but clearly, these are infrastructure required in different parts of the world will take different lengths of time. Um, but I, I, I'm celebrating at the moment change of narrative. Politicians are on board. I think the public seems to be getting on board and, and the pressure groups seem to be talking a lot less because they're going to get n not a lot of listening because people are under pressure at home, with cost of energy. Industries are under pressure and shutting down in Germany. So it's loss of jobs. That's not good. It's a real serious situation. And, and you know, I'm just intrigued as to the, the mood of the nation downstairs has been against the backdrop of nuclear is the solution. We're not pushing um, you know, against a closed door. It seems to be very, very wide open at the moment. Yeah. Well, as I said, it, you know, it's, it's it, the, it, a lot of optimism downstairs at the conference, um, but there's, there's, there's caution too. There's a caution yeah. sign and, and we'll see how it unfolds. But look, we're driving, Energy Fuels is driving its bus. Yeah. Um, we're driving it because we can, and, and that's something we can control. Um, we are moving forward. As I said, opening will be planned to open at least one mine. The rare earth is, is, is making the leaps and bounds. And I know this well, is give, a, give us some a rare earth I, I know this is an energy, energy conference and we talk, we should be talking about uranium, but get, get, rare earth has been the thing that's going to set that, set the world alight for you. Yeah. This look, year. in the last, um, I, I hope in the fourth quarter, I can roll out 
um, our vision and our plans in more detail because a lot of investors have been saying, so, you know, where are you going? And, 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 you know, are you going uranium? You're going rare earths? And I say, we're going both and we're going to go both. But I, I'm excited to have that opportunity when it comes fairly soon, hopefully, uh, to roll out what that vision is. And I think it will uh, be very positive for, for people that are investing in our company for the reason we, we were in business, which is focus on critical elements in reducing carbon emissions, electrification. So, Mark, good man. Good to see you, buddy. Good to see Appreciate you. you coming and making the time to see us. Uh, always good to hear what you're up to. They're, uh, it's, it's definitely heading the right way on uranium, but the rare earth thing, yeah, I, I'm look, getting super excited the, the, the about. Combo, the combo there, um, you know, is extraordinary for us. And I think I've always said, it, if you want to invest in a uranium only company, you invest in uranium only company. You want to invest in rare earth only, but with energy fuels, you get an investment in both.